0: I'm Dr. Vanessa Sinclair, a psychoanalyst based in Sweden, who works with people internationally. And this is episode 256 of Rendering Unconscious podcast. My guest today is Dr. Lara Sheeha. We're here today to talk about how the sausage is made an episode to talk about the ins and outs of making Rendering Unconscious podcast and to help raise support for the podcast. You can support Rendering Unconscious podcast at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Vanessa23carl. And we've just started a Substack. for $5 a month. You can subscribe to that where you get access to weekly posts that are exclusive, to Substack and Patreon. At the Patreon, you also get access to more works in progress if you're interested in the magical and creative content. If you're interested in music that's coming out, things that have been previously unreleased, writing and that sort of thing, Patreon's the place to be. We've also just started a Discord there where you can chat with us and chat with each other. We have channels for books, for different events, for arts in progress, and a channel specially for Rendering Unconscious Podcast, where we can talk about psychoanalysis and all the things that go into this field and have a supportive community dialogue there. This episode is available to view at YouTube. Visit Jappar Films YouTube channel, that's T-R-A-P-A-R-T Film at YouTube, or search for Rendering Unconscious Podcast. Exactly. we're always super fun at parties yeah <laughs> keeping conversation
1: right hey, I think that's why we're friends <laughs> it's like that's how we met right we like we were the ones who could commute between talking about like capitalism and and the crush of academia and like book publishing and then fun stuff like dogs, dogs <laughs> magic and you know and and just laughing so
0: that's life. Life is all of these things. Exactly. So yeah. at a
1: party, I'd want to end
0: up next to you anyway. <laughs> exactly. We're not afraid to go there. No. 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 So we're going there today again. Yes.
1: yes. <laughs> let's, let's get this started. I'm excited. Tell me.
0: So how did this come about? It came about my periodic by my periodic Existential crises that I have, <laughs> where I'm chugging along and going along my life, and then I have these moments of like, I'm exhausted. What am I doing? Does anybody care? Is anyone listening? Does this make a difference, etc. Right. Um, general existential issues, and yeah. then yeah, you said it does make a difference, <laughs> and that helps to hear. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, I I imagine that a lot of folks would, you know, register what you're saying and sort of find resonance in it, especially with the world we live in right now. But I think for you, there's also something like very concrete and material because you put out this podcast and there's a way in which, like, I always, you know, I always think about this because we're always having this conversation about what does it mean to be engaged in labor of producing knowledge um and particularly in the field of psychoanalysis when and so when you ask the question so that's number one that's that's one part of it but then you ask the question is anybody listening you know and does it matter when you literally have a podcast that people listen to right so like that it's an existential crisis but then there's also like a concreteness to it
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. No, and I hear from a lot of people that people love it, especially students. Um, But I don't get a huge amount of direct feedback. So I'm not really sure what's going on. I feel like often like I'm kind of talking into a void and like, you know, hopefully it helps. I always try to you know platform people that I think are doing really interesting work. And I try to platform a lot of different points of views. um, And I really enjoy it. Um, And I do think, I mean, especially... With the current discussions going on in the more psychoanalytic institutions, um, I have realized since our conversation from my past breakdown existential crisis (laughs) that this is a good space and it is needed. And yeah, I immediately end up like inviting more people that I want to platform on it. That's what I do. Um, But yeah, I'm trying to like do, I'm trying to figure out a way to be more interactive and to get more feedback and to like see who's out there and interact with people more. So I've been like working on the Patreon since we had this discussion. And like just yesterday, I started a Discord, Patreon. Um, so that people can like talk to each other there and continue the conversation there and hopefully that'll be the discord you can have like different topics so like right now it's like books and different kinds of things but hopefully maybe there could be like a psychoanalytic space on there where we could talk about things and have a better experience than we do say on these listservs
1: (laughs) (laughs) That dreaded list serves. Yes. Well, I I think part of the reason why, you know, when we were having this conversation and our conversations to to those of you who are not part of these conversations are a mix of like dog photos (laughs) and (laughs) philosophical sort of inquiry and personal love and care and sharing parts of ourselves. But I think you know, this, this idea emerged to do this conversation, because for me, Vanessa, part of what's really important about what you're doing with this podcast is that there's a way in which and, and I know, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. So bear with me here is that there's a way in which part of, um, what power structures or sort of oppressive power structures bank on is that these things happen to a, a a big swath of us, right, um, affecting us in different ways, but it happens, and they become normative the way that these things happen become normative fixtures, and then the re- the the part that structures rely on is that and and in, this happens a lot in psychoanalysis, I think, is that nobody talks about it, right. And nobody talks about it. And so the regularity or normativity of it just continues unchecked. And then we feel like atomized people sitting alone in our wondering and feeling more and more lonely in it or feeling like there's something wrong with us or that we don't have the capacity or that we're failing at something. And so what your podcast has done regularly for me when I listen and I listen regularly and I'm also a on, by the way. So folks, come on, join in and give some love. But apart from that is that like you put words to the things that I think a lot of people are struggling with. Like when people write me about your podcast or talk to me about your podcast, it's always like I feel so heard or I feel so seen or I see myself in this because it really takes up stuff that's happening and then like gives it. Words in a discourse and people, the people you bring on also, I think are accessible and put themselves out there and take that chance, right? Because when you talk about these things, there's also a a worry or concern about being disciplined in our field. But by and large, I think that's, that's why I wanted us to do this when I was like, Hey, let's do this because you also keeping, having to sort of worry about this by yourself to me is antithetical to the community of care that I'm always trying to think alongside you, Molly, uh, Stephen, Amgi, and Mary, Carter, uh, Leilani, like all our people, right? How do we like forge this community of care in a world that is constantly trying to make us feel like we don't have that community, you know?
0: yeah absolutely and that sense of like alienation like I remember texting you being like maybe I'm too weird like maybe I'm too weird and my podcast is too weird and yeah people don't want to support it but then yeah you're like well you get have a lot of listeners and I'm like yeah like a thousand people a day or a thousand listens a day so I guess it's not or maybe weird is good I don't know
1: (laughs) yes exactly I probably said something like I fucking love you because you're weird (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. So, yeah, just trying to figure out what to do to make, yeah, to make it a more maybe communal space in that way and like feel like there's a community of care, like you're saying.
1: Yeah, I do think also that the speaking about it is really important because there's this way in which at least the way that I sort of um, experience the world that there's so many things that we are like have to keep up with. That I think sometimes also it might just be lost on us, Um, and it's like a discipline. It's like a regular discipline, a practice, I would say, rather than discipline. I like practice more. To remember that everything we quote unquote consume has labor behind it, like, and this is, and this is goes back to where we started. Like, wow, we're we're really fun at parties (laughs) because here I am being like, you know, I actually don't want to just listen to a podcast and take it in passively. I think there's because there are actual people doing labor and this and and it's not labor like, hey, like we don't get paid to do this. That is part of the process of communal, right, actively working in communal process to create knowledge together. But there is a way in which we are oriented in the world to just like passively take in stuff or or it becomes like an entitlement. Right. Whereas like there's a lot of labor that you are putting in labor you love, but it's still labor. And I think there's something to me about also naming that is saying that this is actually active knowledge production and, and people really benefit from it and, you know, takes them somewhere else. And maybe they sort of take it in and they think about something else or adds to their practice or acts to their clinical work, or they realize, oh, there's somebody like you out there that like Really is into magic and psychoanalysis, and that's not a quote unquote weird thing, right? (laughs) So I also want to name that because it's kind of awkward for you to be the one to say that, (laughs) you know, or maybe I'm assuming that it's awkward.
0: It's awkward, and I also don't want to sometimes like I hear people and they're totally it's totally fine for people to do this, but they like start their podcast and like you know my livelihood really depends on your support and things like that and you know uh I don't I don't want to do that because number one I'll be okay like I always say I'll be okay like I'll manage either way whether people you know chip in or not um and I'll probably still keep doing it because sometimes I'm a little masochistic (laughs) And it's worth it to do. Yeah. yeah, and this is just what I do. I just like doing these yeah. things. And I also like, yeah, I'm really passionate about psychoanalysis. And ever since I've been in the field, I've been putting together events. Like when I was in New York with the Dustin Bahagen Group, putting together events like every week. So it's kind of a continuation of that, you know, just kind of like started this basically when I left New York and moved. And I just keep doing instead of having, you know, events in New York with, lectures I I have people that I get to talk to one-on-one and it's it's also you know continues my education in that way and keeps me connected to community because I'm out here like all by myself with zero community um you know so it does provide a lot of great things in that way but it also does take up probably like five six hours a week you know and that's kind of a lot (laughs) it's not nothing um I do do everything by myself, and I book all the interviews, and find all the people, and do all the interviews, and do all the editing of video and audio and everything else. So it is it is kind of time consuming. I spend evenings of my weekday doing this, you know, instead of like hanging out with my dog or my husband or doing basically anything else. Yes, <laughs> this yeah, is what I do. <laughs> yes,
1: and that's what I mean by labor. And I think there's there's something about just being. Honest with that and folks knowing, like I think we called it, you know,
0: like how the sausage is made. Because yeah, like, this is the how the sausage is made episode.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, I just want to name also this is it, it might feel um, you know, like you're betraying something in you by by saying, you know, this actually does take time and this does take labor. But I think there's something deeply disalienating to use Fanon's word about like recognizing that the things that we do and love and bring into this world do constitute labor. There's something very disruptive to me and like unsettling when we disavow that, right? But, and we disavow that on the one hand, but then also there's a lot of joy and pleasure that you're bringing into the space. So I think there's a way for us to say, yeah, this takes a lot of time. And like, I still love it, right? But to also name it, but I'm just like thinking, this is five years into your show and you're making a how the sausage episode. Yeah.
0: Five years into your show, which is five and a so half fun. years. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, totally. Um no, and I do love it, but yeah, I do get tired sometimes, especially because I don't see a lot of feedback. Um, And even though the Patreon community is great, there's like 60 people there, but oh, that's what also precipitated it. I won't name the podcast, but there's like a much newer psychoanalytic podcast that maybe started like a few months ago and they have like hundreds of people on their Patreon. And that was really, that's what sent me into my existential crisis when when I saw they had like several hundred people in their Patreon, but it's because they only offer content exclusively through the Patreon so you have to subscribe to be able to hear the podcast and that's not something that is in my values like that's fine for other people to do but for me I I really made this show for everybody and I want everybody to be able to listen to these conversations you know no matter what um, but it, it would be nice to just get the support without having to do something like that. And I also was telling you, I hate having to think like, oh, do I need to market it better? And like, should I put no. part of an episode and then the other rest of the episode on the Patreon or whatever? And I just can't, I don't want to think like that. I hate that way that the system makes you think like that. Like, how do I market myself? It's like, I'm a psychoanalyst. I don't want to have to think about how to market myself. I just want to like listen and help and like do psychoanalytic work, you know? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, the grind, the degrading part of capitalism. Like here you are basically like this was not the plan was to make this accessible to everybody. And then you're you feel backed into a corner to have to, like, compromise yourself and do these things that don't feel aligned or good to you because of the way the world is structured, that this is part of your, you know, stream of of to to live right? And you've like done a lot of work to try and not be backed into that corner. So I think there's something really important about put, putting out a community call and saying like, there's a lot of people that listen to this, that you, I know there's value in this and I know a lot of people value it. And so what is it like also for us to be vulnerable and like practice our values of, I would say like, for me, what I learned from black feminist care or abolition work and say, you know, this is the type of care we need to have a space like this be accessible to everybody. And there's there's no shame in that. I think there's the indiv- the individualistic sort of process is what creates the shame around, like, I should be able to do all of this by myself or there's shame in sort of coming to the community and saying, if this is something we all value to have accessible, is there a way we can distribute responsibility to have this happen or like all pitch in? right? Like a community garden. Everybody eats from it, right? But if there was one person doing all, all the stuff, those vegetables and plants are going to wilt pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and that person's going to pass out from heat stroke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Climate catastrophes on your mind too.
0: <laughs> Always. How can it not be? Oh my gosh, it's like been torrential raining here and it's like 50 degrees and it's August. It's like, what is going on? Yeah, right. I mean, that's what's going on, but Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, how does it feel like for you to
0: put words to this? It's a little uncomfortable, <laughs> I must say, but it's good because it's with you. Yeah. <laughs> Laura makes everything better. <laughs> And I probably said this on some previous episode that we talked about, but I just have to reiterate it. I was seriously about to quit psychoanalysis until I had you on my podcast because um, I moved to Sweden. I, I had a really nice practice in New York and a very like robust community where we were like doing a lot of events like I said so it was like very nice to have that kind of collegial community there and I just assumed (laughs) that I would move to Stockholm and start up a practice in a similar fashion and have an office and you know find the psychoanalytic community there even though I knew it would be smaller but it really is kind of non-existent I mean it exists but it's like only the institute and there's none of the rest of it. So it's like there's no like alternative to the institute in right. Sweden. Um, I think there's like three people that study lecon in a different city, like three or four hours away. <laughs> and that's about worst nightmare, nightmare to just re- rely on the institute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there's like really only the institute, and that's the institute we met in. So maybe that's kind of an interesting sync as well like oh i went to that institute for a conference but then i met lara so Mm -hmm. that's good (laughs) that came came out of it so that was very good but yeah it's not communal here there's not a big community and the community that is here is not not for me and i had given a talk there um yeah, the day before we, we had your, our first podcast scheduled and I came home like crying basically because it was like so brutal. They just like really were not having what I'm doing there. Um, yeah, and then I talked to you and I was listening to you and I was like, this is it. This is it. This is it. This is like the future of psychoanalysis and it was such a, breath, a fresh air. So thank you.
1: Oh my gosh, you're the, the sweet. I mean, it's so funny because... I remember that conversation. I remember like being in the quote unquote green room before the podcast and we were having that conversation and you were telling me how brutal they were. And I was just like, fuck that. Like, there's no excuse for people to act like that, period. I, I, there will never be a world in which I understand why people are so violent and aggressive, and non hospitable to each other. It's just and I think I said something along those lines, but I actually didn't know the rest of like, you didn't tell me that part of like this, that you were going to leave. And I think this was, and when we were discussing the existential crisis, you're talking about, you actually mentioned that to me, like, it was the first time that I heard, which is, I, you know, it's very, you were just feeling uncomfortable and now I'm feeling uncomfortable to be like, okay, (laughs) that's what it, but so what I'm going to do with it is something that makes me be able to hold the love you're giving me and also relieve myself of like the, the awkwardness of, of accepting that fully and just say like, that is the act of being together and, and really opening ourselves to being real and loving with each other. Because I think if, what I remember about that podcast more than the content was like that we were there together and you uh, created a space where I could be me, right? Where I could probably say fuck a couple times and not worry as that many you- many times gonna, as
0: oh,
1: you want. Oh <laughs> my God. I'll say it yeah. with you. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and that's what, that's what I remember. Right. So there's something very real about saying, hey, I got you. And that, you know, the way we're going to that I'm going to relate to you is the way that I want to move through the world. And it's part of the world that I hope we get to live in together, because apparently there are people out there that don't have the same fucking idea about (laughs) like you don't need to be an asshole. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think, and even just talking about that, I think that's where some of the feelings come from that make me upset is because I have historically not found psychoanalytic community to be very supportive um, of each other. There's individuals that have been very supportive, but as a whole, the field has not been welcoming, has not been supportive. It just feels like very cutthroat and it makes No sense to me as far as the theoretical standpoint for what psychoanalysis is about. So it's kind of bewildering how analysts that are supposed to be analyzed and like know their shit like continue to enact these dynamics. And then, but clearly they do. And there's so much pushback when you even point it out to them, you know? And so it's like, I'm trying to hopefully be one person that's part of a community that's creating something different. um and I want yeah I wanted to be different in all ways and I wanted to be people to be supportive of each other including for people to be supportive of me
1: yes exactly (laughs) you have to be a part of that equation you know but I think you're spot on because there's this way in which we're reared with this idea of scarcity and I can't tell you the number of times folks might reach out to me I think you might have this experience too um people reach out to me and then are surprised that I like respond to them or that I like just send a paper to them or hook them up with somebody else that might. And for me, this is like, truly like, why, why would I be hoarding any, first of all, things that aren't mine to hoard. Right. And like the own, the whatever access I might have is because somebody else was generous to me. And so I take that commitment really to heart of like everything that was opened up for me by the generosity of somebody else. I am committed to doing that tenfold with whatever little space has been, you know, created for me. I will do that. But it's also a commitment to like, I just don't believe in this myth of scarcity in the way that capitalism and professionalism sets up for us. Capitalism creates scarcity, right? Because I don't want to be misunderstood as saying that everybody has the same sort of access. Of course, I understand that people have different modes of access, but that's because structures created that, not because fundamentally there is a lack of resources, right? And we've said this before, if there are billionaires in the world, that means there are plenty of resources to go around. They're just being hoarded. And so this idea of sharing space and sharing resources and like being like, yeah, of course, come on in the more the merrier like why would I just want to sit in a space alone and like narcissistically look in a mirror like how fulfilling (laughs) is that right on a most fundamental basis and I'm kind of like making it light but really if you if you think about it um but that's also the reason why I really that that kind of ties into this episode is saying like this is part of that work is is moving against scarcity, is moving against privatization, is moving against uh, hoarding knowledge, is moving against all these modes that are so easy. Like you said, you have a podcast that charges; people will sign up for that. It, people aren't complaining about that, right? But if you want to move against that grain and say, actually, I don't believe in putting things behind a paywall. I don't want to live in a world where people have to pay to get access to knowledge. And then that's part of your larger political commitment. I think the other side of that political commitment has to also be made known, which is like we care for each other.
0: Right. And we that's the whole point. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yes, yeah, so I hope that I'm making the Patreon more fun and just making that Discord uh, yesterday. I think that's going to be a really fun way to do it because... Clearly, Twitter sucks now. <laughs> Musk <laughs> definitely ruined it. um And then, yeah, Instagram and all the Meta stuff—they they have me like shadow band or whatever it's called because of my art. Because my art sometimes has naked people, and some, I try to cover it, but I guess sometimes I forget because I don't think about it. Because to me, it's just, like not a thing. <laughs> yeah, so I just like post it, and then I go, oh crap I posted someone again that had whatever part. So yeah, so yeah, it doesn't reach many people, but I miss the kind of golden days of social media where we're all chatting and having a good time on Twitter. So I I hope maybe the Discord might help.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, and so now I have to like out myself as not knowing how to use Discord.
0: <laughs> I never had, I never used it till yeah. yesterday. It's kind of like an old school chat room from like the early days of the internet, which is basically yeah, it's just like basically a chat room server and okay. you just add people so we just sent everybody the link who could join the patreon and then uh you can like make different rooms for different topics so there's like a topic for book uh, books and people are talking about the with different books they're reading and different events that are coming up and things and then just a general discussion but it's just basically a chat room where people just everybody could just chat with each other
1: yeah that sound that does sound a lot super awesome. simple
0: which yeah. is good because I had been, I thought about doing it like a year ago, but I was like, I can't add another thing to do. You know, I have enough things to do. I can't like try to learn another thing. Um, but since Twitter has been so terrible and I'm not, not really using it anymore, then I thought maybe I'll try this Discord thing. And yeah, it just reminds me of like the old chat rooms from like I mean, the late 90s, early 2000s, basically, when the internet was not just a corporate hellscape. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Actually, <laughs> the exact same thing i have like the last thing i want is one more app i have to deal with and you know one of the things that happened with this smear campaign and sort of threats against me is one of the first things i did was shut down my twitter because i was getting so much hate and threats through there and i was just like i just need to go on lockdown and like i don't need one more uh they found my address, they found my email addresses. They found, I was like, imagine me creating one more surface area for people to threaten my life and, you know, bombard me, right? In ways that I I can't, you, you can only control that so much. And then you end up, this is the sort of process of social media and apps too. It's like, the, it conscripts you into like, Going in there and like feeling like you have to be on there to keep track of like it, it has this perverse way of like if I'm on there, I can keep track of what's happening so then I could keep myself safe. And that was the easiest. Deci- I was just like, th- all this got to be gone. Like, I don't need one more surface area. The people that I love and that will come with me will come with me and know how to be in contact with me. Mm. And it was the best decision I made, which opens up psychic and emotional space for me to like okay now you say discord and I'm like okay being in a place with people that I enjoy talking to and I will do this with you right it also there's just much more intentionality around who I'm interacting with and how I'm interacting and why I want to interact and is there a political alignment for me at every turn right and clearly that was lost for me in
0: in the twitter sphere yeah exactly so it's like molly's there and Haim's there and avi's there leilani people people that support the podcast so it's good and that's the other thing i should mention too because when they go to the podcast and they'll see oh there's 60 people here but like only like 10 percent 15 percent are from the podcast most of the people are Are fans of Carl's, fans of my husband's. And that's why we do like the Magic Monday stuff and talk about magic and creative practices, because that's what those people want. But that's the other thing I've come like been struggling with is like people that listen to the podcast might be listening to it mostly for psychoanalysis. Maybe they're not so interested in art or magic. So maybe they don't feel drawn to it. So I wanna make sure there's a space for people that are interested in psychoanalysis to kind of talk there too. um, Because they might not be interested in like the art and the other stuff right right
1: and actually that's because i you know i don't think i even knew that early on that the podcast was part of the same you know uh process or like under the same umbrella as the the other stuff you're talking about so even just saying hey this is where rendering unconscious lives and this is the what the podcast channel is and here's what's available when you when you do that um
0: well, that's because also Carl already had like the SoundCloud and the the stream and everything set up and it used to be for his music for his record label and I co-opted it <laughs> and put my podcast on it. That's what happened. So I just kind of took over all of Carl's stuff and then I realized, wait, this is was Carl's, so maybe we need to share it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually communal and it's Genesis. <laughs>
0: it is exactly. And Carlos says, so sweet, let me, let me just take over everything. <laughs> but I needed that lifeline at the time. Like I think I told you before, I started the podcast when I was in between countries. Like I had left New York, but I wasn't allowed to move to Sweden yet. I was kind of in this in between space. It was really like a lifeline for me to be able to keep community and talk to people and you know, stay yeah. involved in the field and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it would be easy to miss that right because we live in a world that's saturated with podcasts and like I think it's easy to miss the relationality behind how it got created why you created it what it actually did for you and what it's continuing to do for so many of us in the field like that can easily be missed maybe as a product of this you know, capitalist world that we live in where like things are just products.
0: They don't have anybody behind them. They don't have somebody doing the labor to make them be. And I don't want to like brand myself. I can't, I just can't with this. I don't want to brand myself so that people consume (laughs) my content. (laughs) You know what I mean? I just like, I can't.
1: (laughs) I respect that. I mean, you're an artist. Like it feels, you know, there's a part of that that feels counterintuitive. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No, I just can't. I can't with any of it. I mean, if I had my way, I wouldn't even be using computers or anything, but clearly that you have to do for survival. (laughs) I would be just here in the forest, like, yeah, in the garden with the dog doing little spells and things. (laughs) (laughs) If I had my way, but (laughs) But this is good. It's nice that we can connect this way, of course.
1: Yes, exactly. And um, I love you and I'm so grateful to you for doing this. It means so much to me. And it's like a high point in my world when, you know, obviously I see folks on your podcast who I love are in my world that I love listening to them. And I love seeing what gets created, what emerges in the space with you. And then there are other people who I haven't met and who I find their work are su- super cool. And I might not have an opportunity to listen to them, listen to them talk in in such a non-restricted way too
0: yeah that's the goal because I've been on lots of podcasts where they like clearly prepare all the questions ahead of time and uh yeah to me I'd rather just like go with the flow and see what the associations brings that's that's what we do you know so that's it's a it's an example of kind of psychoanalytic thought in action Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm the process and creating a space where there's no expectation or judgment right right or discipline (laughs) no it's just free say whatever comes to mind
1: (laughs) and where in the world are you going to get a free psychoanalysis
0: (laughs) (laughs) totally (laughs) no I love it and when I whenever I get frustrated or, or yeah in my existential dread I'll just go and look at some listserv postings from the listservs that we're all on. And then I'll be like, no, this is a really good, important space, actually. And then you can say whatever you want here and nobody's going to, like, yeah. Yes. Come down with the same arguments that everybody keeps throwing at each other on these listservs and stuff.
1: Yes. Yeah. We're not having that here. No. But I do think, I think there's something also to be said about running into these walls. Like, every time I run into a wall there's, I'm going to sort of borrow here from Orundhuti Roy and then also from Feluke Taylor. And she came to my class and she was talking, both of them talk about portals. And like, every time I run into a wall, there's this way in which I want to imagine that there's a portal that can, that wall can transform into a portal. And Stephen's actually writing something right now about these portals that are also barricades, right? And I'm not trying to be flowery. It's it's true. There are limitations to what psychically and emotionally we can take when this, because some of the stuff on these listservs that you're talking about are just violent. They're violent and there's no other way to describe it. And so running into these walls where we're just like, why am I even here? What's the point? What what am I doing? Is actually a really important like reconnection to our humanity. That what I always say to my students is like, don't let people strip you of your humanity. Your ability to run into that wall and then imagine the portal that it can become is part of the fact that you still hold on dearly to your humanity. It, if I stop doing that, running into a wall and then reimagining the portal it can become, I I will be worried about myself and and about you if you don't send me those messages being <laughs> like <liquid. laughs> What fuck am I doing here
0: because that's like what that is means, wrong with our field <laughs> that, means,
1: that means we're actually alienated from the pulse both of like the suffering of what's happening in the world but also like the larger world like how do we not feel demoralized when we look around when I think about what's happening in Hawaii right now or when you look at Sudan or Yemen or you know Palestine, um, Palestine or you know pretty much everywhere we're looking right or like you know missing indigenous women in the state now known as canada or like how do you not run into a wall
0: no absolutely if every everywhere seems to either have like a far right in government or yeah. a war or yeah etc exactly. climate crises exactly or so all of the above you are one of our portals you are one of our portals When you're describing that it's like that's where I was I had hit that wall and then and then I talked to you and it was just like opened up It was like oh there is a way (laughs) there is a way forward
1: (laughs) let's keep creating together and sort of just an invitation to folks even from me to say like what would it mean for us to imagine the space as not just belonging to Vanessa, but for all of us to be creating together and and pitching in.
0: Yeah. And people often get surprised too when they do write me and they're like, oh, I love the podcast a lot of times, you know, if they're interested in psychoanalysis, I invite them to come on and talk about it. And a lot of times people are like, oh, but I don't have a book out or I'm just a student or whatever. And it's like, so what? Like everybody has a point of view. Everybody has something to say and something to contribute at all levels of experience. So, you know, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a discussion about how the sausage is made. The ins and outs of Rendering Unconscious podcast with Dr. Lada Shiha. For more, visit Rendering Unconscious main website, renderingunconscious.org, where there are links to everything. Thanks to Carl Abrahamson for providing the intro and outro music for Rendering Unconscious podcast. You can visit his website, carlabrahamson.com, and follow him on social media, carl.abrahamson at Instagram and CAAbrahamson at Twitter. And now the song, Opening the Portal, from the album Indulgence Not Abstinence, a collaboration I did with Pete Murphy, available at Bandcamp. Visit PeteMurphy.BandCamp.com. Enjoy. Open the portal. This recording. To open the portal. Open the portal. This recording. To open the portal. Open the portal. This recording. To open the portal. Open the portal. This recording. To open the portal. Open the portal. This recording. To open the portal. Magic. The everyday world. Magic. For her. The sense of disorientation. Magic. This is a process or We act in the service of creation, be destroyed. Magic, as she truly transformed, they just kept on. Magic, they just kept on. Contingency, of omnipresent change for all phenomena go inside magic having your mind broken with no god broken was impossible magic now, beyond. To describe the various processes genetics, psychology, and psychopathology of art, anthropology, red, black, unconscious, psychological, and psychosomatic addictive. The cut of method by chance. Oh, this is supernormal. We could be anyone we ever wanted. Some would say nothing. In the intestines of the unknown. Identity, meaning, not to be underestimated 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 not to be underestimated
1: not to be underestimated not to be underestimated not to be underestimated not to be